You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Tina Mabry, producer, writer, and director, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, it's Debbie Kamau Bell, host of the CNN show United Shades of America, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Riley Ritchie, a.k.a. Jacob Anderson, a.k.a. Grey Worm from Game of Thrones, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Sujata Day. I'm playing Sarah on Insecure, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Yeah, so this is Tahir Jeter, writer, director, and producer of How to Tell You're a Douchebag. I am very happy to have taken part on the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Thanks. for tuning in to episode 156 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode features two interviews by two fabulous women. The first interview is with actress Cheryl Lee Ralph. She is in the new CBS sitcom called FAM. In our second segment, Janita sits down with Joy McMillan. Joy is the editor behind the new Annapurna Pictures film, If Beale Street Could Talk which right now is getting a lot of critical acclaim. So sit back, relax, and enjoy BGN 156, featuring Cheryl Lee Ralph and Joy McMillan. Cheryl Lee Ralph is an actress, singer, author, and activist. She made her screen debut in the 1977 comedy film, A Piece of Action, before landing her breakthrough role as Dina Jones in the Broadway musical Dreamgirls, for which she received a Tony Award nomination for Best Actress in a Musical. She's appeared in several films and television shows. Her credits include The Mighty Quinn, The Distinguished Gentleman, Sister Act 2, and on television, she's appeared on It's a Living, New Attitude, and Instant Mom. You can currently find her on the TV sitcoms Claws and the CBS series Fam. We chat about the new series Fam, which makes its premiere debut this Thursday, January 10th on CBS. Thank you again for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. Uh, you play Rose, the mother of Nick, on the new CBS show Fam. And he brings home his new fiance to meet with you in the pilot episode. Can you tell us who Rose is and um, kind of walk us through her relationship with her son, Nick? Oh, I love Rose. Rose is the kind, you know, you always look for a kernel of yourself in these roles that you play as an artist. And I love the fact that I get the kernel that I found is this woman is crazy about her family. She loves her husband, and she will go to any length to make sure that her child is happy, successful, and thriving. So it's not going to matter to her who Nick brings home as long as Nick is happy. And when he brings his new fiancé home, all we can do is welcome her with open arms because I say to myself that Rose is, she's fabulous. She's awesome, and she's a mother. 
that's inspiring because we don't quite see that a whole lot on television. You know, Rose and her husband, um, Walt, they they appear to be these very two adoring parents who are obviously very comfortable with Nick's interracial relationship, and the show normalizes it so well that it's never brought up. Why Why was that important for this TV series? I think because we're moving forward, and in the past we've always had to hit things like race and color on the head, on the nose. We've had to make sure that people uh, saw, okay, this is what we're talking about. But in the age of the Kardashians, you already see it, so we don't need to hit you on the on the head with it. We know it happens, but now how do we deal with this? Sometimes what you need to do is just love people to their better self. And I'm telling you, Clem needs to be loved to her better self because she comes to us with one story, and we find out that everything she's told us is not true. But if I had the crazy kind of family that she has, I probably wouldn't want you to know either. <laughs> uh, speaking of crazy, we've got a, an addition to the family in this show, Clem's 16-year-old half-sister, Shannon. She kind of disrupts this seemingly perfect couple's plans when she drops in on on her and Nick's life. And their her very existence kind of complicates matters immediately. How will Shannon impact Nick's parents on this series? You know, something. I, there's a story that uh, Rose talks about finding a stray cat, and you find these this stray cat thinking she's just going to love it until she finds out the stray cat has some strange habits. And what Rose immediately does is trying to love and train this cat to its better self, and it's the same thing with Shannon. Now, mind you, it's so interesting. You know, the way I I might have a natural reaction as an African-American mother as opposed to the way she is written, there there are some moments in the script I was like, girl, don't make me beat you with some wet pantyhose. Don't, don't, make, don't make me do it. But it, it's, it's so interesting because she's a shrink, too. So she's going to think these things through. She's going to help you process through yourself. I don't know if Cheryl would be that, that patient, but Rose is very patient, and they're going to just love Shannon to her best self. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. It's 2019, which means new year, new you. And a lot of us have a new year's resolution to lose some weight. And this time of year, the gyms can be pretty overcrowded, which can be kind of a drag. So I've got a solution for you. It's called Beachbody On Demand. What is it? It's an easy to use streaming service that gives you instant access to a wide variety of super effective workouts you can do from the comfort of your living room 24 seven. I tried Beachbody On Demand. It's this super elaborate portal that gives you tons of options of different workouts on demand. Think of it like Netflix for workouts. You can choose whatever kind of workout that you want and click on that workout and get started. What I really love about this, it's customized for all kinds of users. So they give you a beginner's option, an intermediate option, and if you are a gym rat guru, you guys got that option as well. Of course, I tried beginners and started with Sean T's hip hop abs. Huge fan of Sean T. I've been working out to his videos over the years. And in hip hop abs, 
he gives you step-by-step on how to get started and he gives you step-by-step instructions on the positioning how to pose your body how to lean your shoulders in how to push your stomach out just all of these different kind of hip dance moves that he uses and you can have fun while working out also beach body on demand has a nutrition section which i really love so if you are wanting to also eat a very healthy diet you can check out some of the really cool recipes that they have and the options that are available just for you right now listeners of black girl nerds can get a special free trial membership including their new 14-day results plan where you can lose up to nine pounds in the first two weeks when you text bgn to 303030 that's BGN to 303030 you'll get full access to this entire platform for free all of the workouts the nutrition information the results plan to give you super fast results and the support is totally free so again just text BGN to 303030 let's go ahead and get in shape together That's that's amazing. You know, Shannon is a is a very interesting character, and um, very. she's very she's very much the opposite of Nick because she's a high school dropout. Meanwhile, Nick is this upstanding academic who's a college professor. Yes. What would Rose say if Nick wanted to drop out of school? Oh, that would not happen. That does not happen. No, 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 no. For generations, we have sought higher education. Whether you used it or not, that is on you, but you were at least going to have it in your arsenal for life. So there is no such thing as not going to college. Once you get there, you stay there. You might take a break, but you go back. We must have that B.A. because we will not suffer B.S. Oh yeah. So Nick Nick had a pretty uh strict and firm upbringing is what I can tell from that answer. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and he's he's such a kind kind man. He's an understanding man. The things that he's got to put up with her father. Oh my god. It's like I love my child. I love him. Well, we can definitely tell that um Nick has a very close relationship with his parents. Um, I, I wanted to switch gears and, and talk a little bit about you. You have such an extraordinary body of work as an actor in television, film, and theater. And I know that all three mediums are very different, but do you prefer one over the other, and which is the most challenging? You know something? The, mo- the absolutely most challenging is being on live stage. When you are on stage, there is no, oh, Cut, can we do that again, please? There is none of that. When you're on stage and you are all dependent upon each other to give each other what you need to move forward, like your cue, that is, uh, it, it's, it's very challenging, but I love it. Coming to work when you don't feel good, when you don't feel well, but knowing that if you're, if you're not dying, then you need to be at work on stage and if you are dying then you need to die center stage i'll never forget that when i was doing dream girls i was uh you know i was really young i was 23 and i remember i was sick i i got very ill and i had a high temperature and i was getting sicker as the show went on 
and Michael Bennett came down and he said, sweetheart, if you're going to die, you die center stage. But she keeps singing. I'll never forget that. Never forget that man saying that to me. If you're going to die, die center stage. Come to find out that the woman who gave me my the, the, the big scholarship that started me in my career, Irene Ryan, Irene Ryan died center stage. She came down, she did her big acrobatic act, and she died. And I was like, wow, if you got to go, you got to go like Irene, baby, right on stage. But I do love, love doing um, what I'm doing now. I love a, a great sitcom. You know, it's interesting. When, I, when you're doing things like um, Criminal Minds and MacGyver, because I've been doing both of those with CBS, that's mm-hmm. a lot of work. A lot of hours. It's a hard grind. When I'm doing this situational comedy called Sam, we work Monday through Friday, usually 9 to 5. We are home. We work all day when we're shooting the show, and then we go home, get to sleep late, and start again the next day around 11 o'clock. So I am so thankful for where I am right now in my life. We're thankful to be able to see you on television and doing this amazing sitcom. My last question is, with so many sitcoms that are out here on TV to watch, what is it about fam that makes it different from the others, and why should we watch? Uh, You know what? It's because fam is the familiar. People don't realize it, but fam is the familiar. People really are looking for a show that they can sit down, watch, see a bit of themselves in that show and enjoy what they see. It's it's sort of like a throwback to when you used to get comfortable at a certain time to watch a certain show and get engrossed in the lives of these people. They were different than you, but there was something about them that is just the same. And I believe that Sam is that kind of show. Kareem Kingsbury has written something that is going to be your new favorite TV show, and I'm really excited about being in it. People have been watching the promos, and if you look at our social media, the kind of loving response that we get from people who haven't even seen it yet, all they've seen is the promos, is just, it's absolutely what you want for your show. And why are you going to really love it? Well, there's Nina. Nina's wonderful. There's Tone. Tone is fabulous. There's Odessa. She's got a bright future. There's Brian Stokes Mitchell with his fine, fabulous, wonderful self. <laughs> and then there's me, Shirley Ralph. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I think w- just you alone is the reason to watch, truth be told. Oh, <laughs> you are so sweet. I love you for that. But you can watch the black girl nerds can watch and listen to me because you all need to listen to my podcast that's going to also debut on the 10th called Diva Defined with Shirley Ralph anywhere you get your podcast. So you can wake up on January Thursday the 10th, find my podcast, set your DVR, and watch me and listen to me and enjoy me because you know how much I love you. Thank you so much for sharing the information about the podcast. Our listeners always love to find out new podcasts to check out. So appreciate you sharing that information. Thank you. We need something to be inspired by. We need something to be empowered by. And too many of us are feeling like we are not the ones. 
and we are out there begging for permission to be ourselves. We are out there fighting for permission to be ourselves, and we are out there trying to survive other people's pain. So part of the the, the uh, podcast is to let you realize, listen, you've already got what you need right inside of you. Now let's help you access it because you don't need to beg, fight, or survive anybody else's pain except your own. Joy McMillan is a film editor known for her work on the Academy Award-winning film Moonlight, for which she won several accolades. She's also worked on TV shows such as Girls, the film Lemon, and currently If Beale Street Could Talk. Just recently, Regina King won a Best Supporting Actress win for If Beale Street Could Talk. Joy will be editing the new film Zola, directed by Janiska Bravo. I, I When they told me that I would be interviewing the editor of If Bill Street Could Talk, um, I had to look up what exactly it is that you um, do, <laughs> because I thought the, dire- the director, <laughs> I have, I've got to be honest now, because I thought that was something that kind of the director kind of does on the back end. But then yeah, I'm like, okay. yeah, so could you talk to us a little bit about your job? I think it's it's a job that not a lot of people know a lot about. It's really intriguing. Um Yes, I I always refer to what what an editor does as kind of like um, the person behind the curtain, uh-huh. you know, like <laughs> no one no one really um, a knows exactly what the extent of what we do, or um, a lot of times if you notice us is um, sometimes not in a, a good way. So there's actually an award show that happens this Saturday before the Oscars, and it's called Invisible Art, Visible Artists. Yes. Um, and it's for all the edit, it's for all the editors who are nominated, um, that year for, um, an editing Oscar. And so I would say a, a lot of times the best way to describe what an editor does is, um, ultimately we, we know that we are setting up the viewing, um, basically what the audience is going to view. And so we're kind of like the audience's eyes and ears. Selecting takes and and sounds and putting them together in a way that is the best viewing um, pleasure for the audience. And so, um, our job starts day one of the production, um, and we get dailies and we edit them together and we, um, you know, we kind of figure out where the score could enter in. We help with sound effects and sound design, and so. Um, as an editor, we're involved in pretty much every aspect of the final um, assembling of the film, so to speak. Oh wow! Oh wow! So you're you're yeah. you're you were right there with Barry Jenkins for the entire <laughs> film. That that's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> the Black Girl Nerds podcast will be right back after this message. Myro is making deodorant better, like several times better, not the drugstore stuff and the mediocre scents that you're used to. Myro delivers obsession-worthy, naturally effective deodorant that looks as good as it smells. They make their natural deodorant with a custom blend of essential oils that release over time to keep you fresh and barely powder to keep you dry. Now, I had the chance to check out Myro, and first of all, straight out of the box, 
it smells divine. It smells like fresh linens. So it's not overbearing, but you know right away that this is something that you're gonna wanna put on your body. Second of all, when I use the deodorant, it wasn't clunky, it didn't stick to my skin, it didn't fall apart from the bar, because sometimes I've had that problem with some deodorants. It glides very smooth and the bar is held together. Also, I didn't have the problem with seeing the deodorant on my clothes, which, you know, let's be frank, when you're wearing that nice black dress, the last thing you want to see is deodorants in the armpit area. So really great product. It has a refillable case and mood inspiring scents that are good for you and the planet that we live on. Because the case is refillable, Miro refills reduce plastic waste by approximately 50% versus the typical drugstore deodorants. So you feel good, you look good, and you're helping the planet. What more can you ask for? Well, why don't you go ahead and try it? We're gonna offer you 50% off of your first order and you can get started today for just $5. Go to mymyro.com and use the promo nerds. So that's mymyro.com forward slash nerds and you can get 50% off of your first order. That's mymyro.com forward slash nerds. Use the promo code nerds and you can get 50% off of your first order and get started for just $5. Doing good and feeling good should be an everyday thing, just like deodorant. Yeah, like he, we, it's one of those things where a lot of times when, as an editor, when you're working on a film, you spend more time with your um, post team than you do your family because it's long days, long hours when you're in the, um, you know, basically in the process of putting the film together and, and basically shaping the film. They call editing the final rewrite. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a process. Sometimes not the easiest process, but it's a process. <laughs> Definitely for sure. And with Beale Street, I was really, really um, captured with the the way the film was kind of drawn out. It, it was it was almost it what it was it wasn't almost it was an artwork um, because mm-hmm. the way that you know some certain themes you know, we're kind of teased out and and I love the concept of time, how that became a predominant, almost a predominant theme that you, you just kind of drew out with the, the way you, you kind of put everything together. Um, I, I wanted to ask, was there, what, how did you even start to think about, um, the, I mean, what was the process of going through, uh, to get started on such a movie like this one, like if Bill Street could talk and even Moonlight, it was the same way. Like, um, Sorry. Um, like the artistry of the artistry of um, putting such movies together that have so much. Um, it's almost like watching a moving, uh, almost like a, a moving painting. Um, how do you even begin to put that together? Well, this, it's interesting because a lot of times I feel like whenever you're starting to put a film together and you're in the process of editing these scenes, a lot of times the actual footage and the performances from the actors inform you on what type of scene this is going to turn out to be. And so for, um, with Barry's project, uh, I worked with a co-editor, Matt Sanders, and, um, we kind of, for It Feels Street to Talk, the way we did it is we 
split the movie up into four parts. And so he does the first part and the third part of the film, and I do the second part and the fourth part of the film. And so the way we kind of start is, you know, we look at the dailies and we see what James um, Laxton, our cinematography and cinematographer, and Barry, what they did on set. And we see kind of like where they place the camera, the type of performances that they're getting from the actors. And by that, we then are kind of informed on how this scene is going to play out. Um, for instance, like in Moonlight, I worked on the diner scene between um, Andre Holland, who played Kevin, and uh, Trevante Rose, who played Black. Mm-hmm. And so in that scene, it was one of those things where we're, we're in this diner for a good stretch of time. So for me as an editor, my job is to allow these performances to play out in a way that each section of the scene you're getting a little bit new information. You're seeing a little bit more into these characters. And so if you don't, you're not really focusing on the fact that you've been in this, you know, one location for a certain amount of time. You're, you're really honing in onto these people as they slowly become more vulnerable and reveal themselves to you. And I also did the, the scene in, um, it feels you could talk between Bonnie and Daniel back in Bonnie's loft. And it was kind of this, same structure where we're in this loft with these two men and they start out very jovial catching up and slowly but surely we kind of get more into where their lives are currently at as being black men in America at this time and the setbacks that they're facing and you know that basically the oppression that they're feeling and how even though they're saying you are equal you know in this place that you live the boxes that they're constantly in place, you know, placed in. Because, like, you know, a lot of people say, like, jail isn't really a physical place. It's a mental place. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what we're experiencing in that scene is how mentally these these men are struggling to be a part of America. And and you definitely bring that across. I mean, in that scene, I mean, I felt the weight, just the weight of all of it just (laughs) kind of coming down and, um, yeah. and, and, and even just the, the lost time, uh, you know, so I, I'm just, um, I was, I'm really impressed by if Beale Street could talk and actually I think, I hope that you're up for another award for this one because it was, it, it was amazing work. I have to tell you amazing work. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, um, and speaking of the awards, um, you, I mean, the mm-hmm. first black woman nominated in your category for, um, <laughs> For an Oscar, I mean, how how do you deal after the day after? I mean, do you how do you go back to just work after that, or did you just go and treat yourself? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I still had I still had my um, family and friends in in town, so we definitely because I I think what one of the things that you know since Nat and I were nominated also for the editing Oscar and we didn't win that night. I think some people were like, oh, sorry, you didn't win. But I was like, well, we took home the best prize of them all. You know, like we mm-hmm. maybe didn't win in our individual categories, but the film that we edited won. And for right. me, you know, for me, like the the first feature that you ever edit wins best picture. It's just, it's, I, I still feel like I sometimes pinch myself. Like, is this my life? Is this really happening? Um, because it's one of those things where it's like, 
the hard work paid off. And that's sometimes not always the case. And so it's just one of those things that I, you know, I'm so proud of the film. And I'm also just so proud of Barry because he, he's one of those people who all of, you know, this success and all of the doors that have been open for him, he is still that kind hearted person who would give you the shirt off his back if he, if you needed it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I feel so thankful for is I get to collaborate with someone who's not just, an, a, you know, an amazing director, but he's also just a very honest and good-hearted and um, amazing person. And so work doesn't really feel like work when, you know, when we're collaborating together. And that's one of the things, like, you know, I've known him ever since film school. Like, our, we go way back. And so the fact that these students that started out working together on their, like, student films have now graduated to the big stage is just one of the things that as someone someone even said they're like has anyone ever thought about doing a documentary about you guys because this doesn't sound real (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like no no one's ever asked to do that but it it does it 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 sounds like a fairy tale and that's one of the things that um you know as we continue to collaborate with each other I just never take that for granted because it's an awesome place to be in yeah, and and actually, I would I would love to watch that documentary. By the way, um, just put it out there. Um, so, um, last question. I guess <laughs> if you ever, I mean, just put it out there. If you ever want to do it, just you know, call Black Girl Nerds. We'll, we'll be behind you. Um, but if you uh, last question. So, um, what what's up next for you and Barry? What's the next collaboration? What can we uh, can you can you say? I think the next thing we'll be collaborating on is the um, the limited series for Amazon, the Colton Whitehead adaptation, Underground Railroad. Um, oh. I think that's, that's, that's up for us. I think that's the next thing up, you know. Oh, you're working on that so. one. Okay, great. That's that's one of my, um, on my expectation list, <laughs> kind of watching you know, the, the, the news on, uh, you know, all the little news details on that as they try, as they come out. So I'll be watching for you and your work. So. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm, that one I'm really excited about. It's again, uh, an interest like Colton Whitehead, the novel was so good. And so I, you know, I hope we do him justice in the adaptation, but it's, it's it's in another exciting world to explore. And so I look forward to collaborating with him on that. So. Yeah. And, and we'll look forward to, to covering it for you. Listen, thank you for giving me um, just a few minutes of your time and talking to of us. Of course. <laughs> and, and letting us hear a little bit, <laughs> hear a little bit from you before, you know, the Oscars come up again and, you know, you actually, and, you know, you're up on that stage again for Beale Street because it's Ooh. amazing <laughs> and I'm rooting for it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I saw, like I said, I saw oh, it at no. TIFF and it's, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely great job great job with that one. Oh, thank you so much and then i don't know if you need this but the project i'm currently working on is i'm collaborating again with nick sabravo on a film called sola so okay she's another yeah black female director we did worked on lemon together so okay we'll, look, awesome. we'll keep an eye out thank you so much <laughs> you're so welcome have a good day you too thanks bye okay The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. 
The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.